Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Patricia, and with me is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Latricia. Hello out there, Difference Makers. It is February 2020, which means we are being blackety black, black, black this month. So today we're going to talk about black history. We hope you learn something from it and share it with others. Latricia, what is Black History Month? Black History Month is It's a time to celebrate the accomplishments and the achievements of Black people, which is so hilarious, but not funny, because Black history, it can't and it shouldn't be relegated to just a month. I mean, Black history is being made every single day. But Black History Month is the time that has been set aside to celebrate these accomplishments and achievements. Who? was the person who founded Black History Month, in a sense. Well, you know, Carter G. Woodson, he was known as the father of Black history, and he started Negro History Week back in 1926. Interestingly enough, he was a historian. He got his doctorate from Harvard, and he noticed that Black people just weren't being represented in the history, in the history books. And he knew that that was false. So he wanted to do something about it. So the organization that he was a part of, that he had started with some other people, they started Negro History Week to educate black people on on their history and on the achievements and accomplishments of other black people. And some people do not know this. And I remember hearing, oh, they gave us February because it's the shortest month in the year, which is inaccurate. Can you tell our listeners why do we celebrate in February? Who is it honoring in a sense? It's honoring Frederick Douglass, whose birthday is February 14th. And also, he chose this week, the second week in February, because of Frederick Douglass and also Abraham Lincoln, who signed the Emancipation Proclamation. So that's why it was in February as a week. And then 50 years later, 50 whole years later, it went from a week to a month. And of course, the name changed from Negro History Week to Black History Month. Many people are unaware that the organization that Carter G. Woodson started over almost nearly 100 years ago, it is still active. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? It's the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. Well, the name was changed to the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History. And over the years, they have been dedicated and committed to studying Black history and celebrating the accomplishments and the achievements of Black people. And they have 
continued to do it all this time. What I really like about ASALH is that they have had a theme over the last decades. This theme gives us a vision and a mission to focus on. I'm going to go over just the last five years. 2015 was a century of Black life, history, and culture. 2016 was hallowed grounds, sites of African-American memories. 2017 is the crisis in Black education. 2018, African-Americans in times of war. 2019, Black migrations. 2020 is focusing on politics. So there has been a vision, not only just the last five years, but for several decades. Any of those stuck out to you, Latricia? I like the one about the African-American hollowed ground. But I think the one that sticks out the most is this year right now, because of the political climate that we're in, the importance of getting out to vote and the importance of the Black vote. I believe it was strategic also for them to have that this year. There are so many elections occurring, not just at a federal level, but also locally and statewide. So I'm glad that they did have this focus. But one thing I think is an issue is other people don't know about it. I did not know about ASALH and themes until December of 2019. That leads me to ask you, why is it important to still celebrate Black History Month? I think it's important because, one, there's still history that isn't known. The conversations still seem to center around Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, and there are so many more Black people who have made contributions to this country that are not known. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important. Another reason why I think it's so important is because history is constantly being made. And until we are part of the everyday conversations in this country, in this culture, then we have to continue to have Black History Month. Maybe there will become a day where Black people are included in everything And there is no need for Black History Month. But as long as we're being underrepresented, misrepresented, and all that good stuff, then we need to have it. And like, what is that African proverb? I think we've probably used it a couple of times already in this podcast or something similar. Our our favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Because we have used it quite a bit. But until the lion learns to speak, The hunter will always be the victor. Yes. So it's important that we continue to tell our stories, our history, because, you know, there's his story and there's the truth somewhere blended in between all of these things. So it's important that the stories are being told accurately and things aren't being omitted. Exactly. Because one example that I thought of is hidden figures. I wasn't aware that there were not only female mathematicians, but black female mathematicians that helped with NASA. So in showing our history, I'm assuming that it's going to change the trajectory of many lives. Now there's 
young girls or young men that saying, maybe I can work for NASA. I think something happens when you see someone else that looks like you have accomplished it. It removes the height of the hurdle. It doesn't seem as big anymore. The hurdle doesn't seem as big anymore. That is so true. That makes me think about becoming president. One day you could become president. That wasn't something that a lot of Black people grew up hearing or being told. But now that we've had a Black president, it doesn't seem like a pipe dream. I totally agree that when you see other people doing it, then that makes you believe that you can do it too. And of course, everything starts with the first. So sometimes you have to be that innovator. You have to be the first one. Nobody's ever done it before. Well, I'm going to do it. Then you'll go down in history. Then you'll go down in history. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea where that song is from, but it just popped in my mind. But one thing I was also thinking about is as far as African-Americans who are especially descendants of sharecroppers and enslaved Africans, we don't have a identity of our own. I think about people who may come from different countries and they may say, oh, well, this is part of our culture and or my grandma, she was born in Nigeria, so we still do this in our family. If they're around my age, and you know, they're first or second generations, they're still connected to their culture. And moving forward, their descendants will still be connected to their culture, more than likely. But we can't say, oh, I'm Irish, or oh, I'm Russian, or whatever else, because we really don't have a solid history. And even if some people may say, oh, well, you can take a DNA test. Well, the thing about that is we were bred like animals. So I did a DNA test and it varied from Southeast Africa, Central Africa, and West Africa. Like, so it included like five or six countries. So I think that is another reason it's important that we celebrate Black history is to have our own identity if we are under that category of descendants of enslaved Africans or sharecroppers. I think that is the absolute truth. And I think that was one of the things that Carter G. Woodson said was that Black people didn't know enough about their heritage. And we don't know enough about our heritage. My grandfather, he has this friend. He's from New Zealand. He and his wife, they had taken me and my husband out to dinner. And we were having a conversation. And he was telling us how he traveled all throughout Europe to go to all these different places because, you know, his family had been from this place in 1422 and they had moved to this place in 1512. And he had all this long history of his family and how he was able to travel all over. I don't know how they ended up in New Zealand, but he was just telling us about how he traveled all over Europe, going to all these different places where his family was from. And I was talking to my husband and I was like, you know, a lot of us, we can't do that. We have, we just have no idea. We can't trace back to 1422 or 800 or anything. And that makes me sad. I can 
relate to that because I've been in conversations with other people and they may say something such as my family came to America in 1690 and they'll know their great, 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 great grandfather's name. So it is kind of disheartening. So we talked about why it's important to still celebrate Black History Month. And I would just like to touch on what does it look like now? What does celebrating Black History Month look like in 2020? You know, I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how it may have looked back in 1926 compared to how it looks today. And I think one of the other things that's so important about celebrating Black History Month is that it exposes other people besides Black people to Black history. And I think that's one of the things that makes it look different today. There are exhibits in museums. There are exhibits at art galleries. There are celebrations in cities and townships and states. There's There are all kinds of celebrations going on. Now you can just Google Black History Celebration and you're bound to find something. Now, I don't know if it looks the same in schools as it used to, because I know it was a big deal having Black History celebrations in school. But because my children are adults and I don't really have any school connections. I don't know what it looks like in the school. But you can tell us because you go to school every day. Yes, I do. Consider me the plug. <laughs> so so I have been in the education field since 2006. I've been at a few different schools throughout North Carolina. It does not look like it did when I grew up. It doesn't look like it did in 2006. I think there's a lot of different reasons why. One reason that I believe is a major factor is that school isn't as fun as it once was. When we think of maybe the amount of sock hops or dances and we don't do field trips anymore. We do study trips and everything has to be attached to an objective. And We are very much now focused on testing, 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 testing. I think that's one reason that you don't see as many celebrations compared to when I grew up. I grew up in a predominantly black school from kindergarten through eighth grade. Yes, I'm from a small town. And we had a black history program every year. I remember we had plays, we had poetry, we had singing and There were people who grew up during the civil rights era who would give us brief discussions about some of their experiences. I haven't seen that since I've been in the school system. I haven't seen it celebrated at a school level, but I have seen different teachers may celebrate it by doing a project, which goes back to, is this attached to objectives? Is this going to help test scores. I think that's one other reason. And another reason I think it's not as celebrated compared to decades before is I don't think people like being uncomfortable. The climate right now is already kind of tense. So I do believe in a sense that if we were to celebrate Black History Month at the school on a large level, it would be some backlash. It would be, oh, this is attached to Black Lives Matter, or I kid you not. I have seen people say that we were separatists because we had our own national anthem. 
And I was going to ask you about the national anthem. When you were talking about growing up and going to school, it reminded me of how when I grew up going to school, we had to sing the Black National Anthem. Do the children know the Black National Anthem in school? They do not. I don't believe all students know it. And I do think schools do try to expose children if they have like a broadcasting network or newsletter. They try to drop little pieces of knowledge, but as far as being immersed in it, no, it's not happening. I went to an event recently. I think we were together. Yes, we were together at the Kwanzaa event in Fayetteville. And I remember the older man was surprised that I knew the lyrics and he gave me a nod, but I grew up singing it. So I think what you were saying about the racial climate, I think that is one of the reasons why people don't want to do things because people are so afraid of being labeled as separatists or divisive. It's this misunderstanding about Black pride. People think that if you're proud of your Black heritage and you're doing something in alignment with that, you're being exclusive. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's like you're you're welcome to come and be part of it. And I think we talked about this in another episode. Just because something is titled Black doesn't mean non-Blacks aren't welcome. I see more immersion of different cultures when I go to the Raleigh and Charlotte area compared to when I go to an event in Fayetteville. So I'm not sure if other people are aware of that or they just feel they feel a certain way because it's labeled black. And that's kind of sad, but we still have to continue on and do what we do despite what other people think because we can't make people see things that they don't want to see. You're right. And I'm at the age now where my attitude is I'm not in the business of convincing. So, okay, you're right. Have a great day. If you think that, because at the end of the day, I do know my heart and I know my intentions are pure. One thing that I would like to point out is an example of why it's important. My coworkers and I wore our shirt available on livingtheprinciples365.com shop. <laughs> My coworkers and I wore the artsy shirt today concerning different black female and the arts. It said, for example, sing like Nina, recite like Maya, direct like Ava. There was this young girl staring at my coworker, and she was kind of confused of who are those people? So she, my coworker, told the young lady who some of those people were. And she was like, oh, okay. She was like, well, I heard that it was Black History Month, but I don't really know what that means. That's why I think it's still important. And I, I'm a firm believer that not that it's the purpose, but when we do get together, it dispels stereotypes. It creates unity amongst human beings and it's selfless. So I think that's another reason why it's important to continue to celebrate Black History Month is to dispel stereotypes and build unity amongst humankind. What about you, Latricia? 
Those are some really good reasons. I agree. And I think also to bring awareness because there are so many people, so many things that happen in history that we're just not aware of. And and it's an opportunity to bring more awareness. I think it should definitely be celebrated with good vibes. Yes, I do too. And I think it goes back to the word celebration. Let's celebrate. And celebrations are usually cheerful, happy, pleasant things. You're so right. And I believe another good reason is to not only unify humankind, but also various Black people, regardless of our social economic status, our place of birth. I believe that it would be good for us all to get together more often. I agree. You know what? I recently learned that they have Black History Month over in the UK. It's not in February, though, but for the same reasons, because Black people aren't being represented over there in the same ways that they're not being represented here. So they have incorporated Black History Month over there as well. And I think I want to say Canada, but I'm not 100% sure. And other places are starting to celebrate Black history. I think what you were saying about uniting humanity is true. Because if it spreads from country to country to country to country, pretty soon it will be a worldwide phenomenon. Well, Latricia, we have talked about the history of Black history, the importance of it, and how does it look in 2020. Can you empower the listeners with a principal challenge? Principal challenge. Live them out. The principal challenge for today is something relatively simple. Learn something new about someone who you may have not heard of or may have not known before and share it with other people. I think that's very important to do. And I think learning about new people is very important. Please let us know who you learned about. So you could teach us as well. You can find us at livingtheprinciples365.com. It has all of our social media handles. Now it's time for our next section, Spread the Good News. So open your heart, ears, and mind. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the Principles, we spread the good news. Recently, Roland Martin spoke at a Greensboro sit-in commemorate. This was the 60th anniversary of the start of the downtown Greensboro sit-ins. One important thing that he said was, you don't need permission to stand up. Martin was a keynote speaker on January 31st at the sit-in anniversary breakfast celebration. Several hundred people gathered at the Alumni Foundation Event Center on campus to eat a buffet breakfast, hear A&T's Fellowship Gospel Choir perform, lift every voice and sing, and listen to Martin talk. I love his overall message of you don't need permission to stand up. Our second good news point is from Netflix. Octavia Spencer will play Madam C.J. Walker, who was America's first self-made female millionaire. This will air on Netflix as a four-part limited series. 
to share a little about Madam C.J.'s Walker tenacity, I'm going to give you a little brief history of her life. She was orphaned at seven, married at 14, a mother at 17, and widowed at 20. Yet she has been a light to many in the entrepreneurial world. Our third and final good news point is also in the entertainment realm. The world premiere opera of Freedom Ride is maybe on the horizon. It's a fictional story concerning Sylvia Davenport, who is urged not to join the Freedom Riders. She develops strong conviction based on experience. This is now playing at the Chicago Opera Theaters, but may be coming around based on all the support from various investors. This is the good news, and what I love about this good news, it ties our past into our present and possibly the future. So, Latricia, we have had a feast about Black History Month. I gave you guys some good news, and we love to end our episode with a soul snack. What's our soul snack for today? Our soul snack for today comes from an Ethiopian proverb, and it says, He who learns teaches. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds and impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.